everybody, and welcome to another episode of MTG Rants. MTG Rants, Ross. MTG Rants. You got it right. You got it right. Good start. It brought to you by Barrister and Man. I'm sorry, everybody. You're gonna. Ex- you're, I'm gonna explain why in a second. I'm a little shell shocked. I got some crazy news right before we were recording the show. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and start telling the story. Screw it, Ross. All right. Yeah. So Barrister uh, Man is great. Use our coupon yeah. code MTG Rants to get 15% off. So what the, what's the deal, Tana? What's so going I'm on? Li- yeah, I'm a little shell shocked. The reason we're doing the show it's a it's about uh, what nine thirty your time on a Wednesday night, eight thirty mine. The and keep in mind, Tannen is laying on a couch right now, talking to me like I'm a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so the reason we had to like you know bang out an episode right now, you and I have been super busy this week, and I'm supposed to go to Houston tomorrow. Um, I'm supposed to go hang out with Jonathan Job and, and David Thomas, two very powerful magicians. Uh, we yeah. have tickets to the... One of them's good at magic. One of them founded Wendy's. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, you got to love the square burgers. But <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the, you know, we were going for hangouts. You know, obviously, we're going to play some poker and stuff while we were there. But we also had tickets to the, the Hella Mega Tour. And for anybody who doesn't know what that is, that is uh, Weezer, Green Day, and Fall Out Boy. One of these three is my favorite band of all time, which is Fall Out Boy. And then there's, you know, Weezer and Green Day, which... You know, I kind of grew up on in the 90s. The Blue Album from Weezer was amazing. Dookie was, like, one of the very first albums I ever really listened to as a child. Like, the very early 90s. It was, like, it was like Dookie, 10 from Pearl Jam, and, like, the Black Album from Metallica. And then, like, obviously, I heard a lot of Nirvana. I never got into Nirvana as much as most people during that time. You know, I luckily had an older brother. I have a, I have a four-year-old, a, a four-year-older brother right <laughs> i have so, an older brother he's four <laughs> right no, no, no. you get what i'm saying so when i'm like eight he's 12 right he's like yeah, oh, yeah. well he's, it's like four and a half years so you know he's my brother's also four and a half years older than i am yeah. so i'm right there with you so he's in high school when i'm in when i'm in grade school so i'm getting exposed or he's in like eighth grade when i'm in four so i'm getting exposed to like better music you know like I remember listening to that growing up on like 311 you know in the, in the my brother just listened to very angry music it was god smack and disturbed see there's there's the, the the couple years different. That wasn't until I was in like high school and my brother's in college, and we were we were more into like the yeah. more alternative stuff there, like Incubus, Three Eleven. Um, you know, the angry you're, stuff. You're closer like, to my brother's age. My brother is eighty four. Yeah, there you go. So like I'm I'm like seventy five when it comes to that stuff. But you know, like Rage Against the Machine was the angry stuff that. You oh know, yeah, he loved to. he loves Rage Against the Machine to this yeah. day. Uh, like I still, yeah. Like if, if I listen to the song uh, "Quit It Now," like I still feel like I'm like a 12 year old back in back in the house, you know, back in my in my house at a, the hangover. Anyway, I I, I I digress. So I'm supposed if, to go to if, Houston. If you haven't, hold on. If you haven't listened to Callie Anderson uh, karaoke oh, "Rage a, Against the Machine," it's incredible. So fuck you. Two, she won't do what you tell her. There's there's th- my three favorite things ever with karaoke. Two of them involve her. It's, <laughs> it's her doing that. It's her and her husband, Todd Anderson, doing uh, I'm on a boat, which they choreographed, <laughs> which people, if you see them do this, they actually like, it's not like a, it's not like a choreographed thing from like Beyonce where it's like absurd the whole time. But yeah. They, they know where to be and like move. Yeah. They definitely dance in rhythm and with each other. It's, it's, it's great. The other one, by the way, this is a great rant episode. We're just going to go on super tangents. The other one is if anyone does, knows the, uh, the magic player from, uh, from Europe, Michael Bonde, uh, he's like top eight at a, a pro tour, you know, uh, done well in the SEG tour. He's known for playing, um, death and taxes and legacy. You know, All the Danes are known for playing death and taxes. Yeah. And he's legacy, one of the Danes. So. Right. Right. Um, I remember I spent like a summer with him once they like him. Tom I'm surprised Evelson, you're alive. 
uh, it was it was touch and go there for a little while. Ross. It was it was it was really touch and go. I, mean, I I could talk about this for like an actual hour. In fact, you know we might not talk about magic on this episode. Yeah, or it might be very very short. We're gonna we're gonna tell some stories. Bondi's the one who had the meme when he top eight of the Pro Tour, or yeah, the, the MC, the and it, when he's dancing, yeah. like yeah, yeah, that one. You can't see us. We're both doing the dance. If you know what we're talking about, <laughs> yeah. you can't see it. Yeah, we'll try to tweet it out. We'll try to tweet it out. Uh, he's in like his Mage Market uh jersey, I think, or whatever. Anyway, sure. I digress. So one summer. Um, they just decide they're going to come to America, go to a bunch of events. Like they ended up going like, I remember this summer I I was at some of the opens they went to. Yeah. They went to like some opens. They all qualified for the invitational. Uh, one of the events was in Vegas and that's when I was living there with the Jonathan Job. And we were like, you guys are welcome to stay with us, do whatever. Like we hooked them up fat while they were there. Right. You know, we were like, you know, getting stuff comped, getting them hotel rooms, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I've got some crazy stories with, with, with that in a minute. Like I remember one day we went to, um, a, let, me, let me pronounce this correctly so people don't think I'm saying something else. A day club with a D. You know, you go to like one of the clubs, but during the day, and it's out. Those like, are fun. Yeah, because expensive we, but fun. Well, we didn't pay for shit because sure, not the job, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, we get a villa out by the pool, and they're oh. like, you know, bringing us food and drinks, and like I yeah. got obliterated. This is back when I had like a lot less self control, but I got obliterated. So I'm getting kind of drunk, and so. I actually, uh, we, we had fun. I don't remember if he did it and switched with me or whatever, but I just remember that I decided I was going to be Joel Larson or Joel Larson for the day, and I just spoke in their accent for the whole time because I'm... Um, what's well, Joel is Swedish and they're Danish. Right. Which is not have, the same uh, thing. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, I mean, he was, I meant like he, I don't know if he like, tried to be like an American accent or whatever, but I just okay. did, I just did the, I was Joel Larson for the whole day. And I stayed in character for like hours. Like actual hours, right? And because I'm one of those people, I have like, uh, I think it's called like a sympathetic accent. If I'm around you enough and you have an accent, I will just start picking up on it. Like I will just start talking that way and I can't help it. Like, you know what I mean? So anyway, so we're doing all that. But for for the karaoke thing. So I I remember this is, we go to the Invitational to New Jersey. We're like all, we fly out to New Jersey. Um, God awful place. I I, I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) Just everything's gray. It's really bad. <laughs> the food's not good. Like I don't care what anyone says. The um, you can the Italian food is good. Okay, that was the problem. We didn't eat Italian. That's probably where we messed up. Yeah, you should eat nothing um, but Italian food. I just I just remember we end up we end up going out like uh like bar hopping one night, whatever you want to call it, pub crawling, bar hopping, whatever. Yeah, and it's like we're like twelve to fifteen people deep, right? You know, we've got like. Yeah, big crap. showing us. Yeah, we got Pete Sully showing us. Were you there? I, I I feel like you were there. No, I, I don't think I was. Because this is before you and I were like close. Like we yeah. knew each other or whatever. And it was before I started traveling a ton to events. Like I was just hanging with my Connecticut people. That makes sense. But it's like you know, it's like it's me, Jonathan Job, the three Danes, uh, Pat, uh, you know, Patrick, a bunch of other people. Um, I don't think I paid for a drink all night because we credit card gamed everything. And Peace Ollie was getting destroyed. I remember that. He was like in the bottom <laughs> two or three, like every, like he had to sweat it every time. But we get to one place and they have karaoke. And, you know, a couple of people, you know, sign up. We do like a group karaoke thing because I'll never do one alone. Michael Bondé decides to do one alone. Have you ever heard Michael Bondé sing? No. You might say he's the songbird of our generation. So <laughs> he's apparently been on Danish Idol. Like he was actually on the TV show and like made it to like the final 32 
or something like that. Yeah. Like t- he top 32 Danish idol, you know, for sure. Sure. Right? He cashed. So, he he min cashed Danish idol. And so there's like, you know, 30 something people in this bar or whatever. And it's one of those bars that like, it, it was actually a sweet bar. It had like a really long ornate, like wooden bar, like on one side of the room. Right. And so, you know, most people are on, the, on there and then there's like some tables. Everybody's kind of mingling around. And at the back of the room is the, uh, I'm trying to like set the, the oral picture here, you know, I'm orally painting this picture. And in the back of the room is like the little bitty stage. Tenny means A-U-R-A-L. Yes. Not O-R-A-L, by the way. And so uh, there's like a, there's like a, thank you, Ross. There's like a little stage in the back, you know, with the little setup. And so like no one's really paying attention. They're like, all right, up next, Michael Bondé singing, um, I think he's saying Mustang Sally. Was this Ooh. Song, right? Yeah, right. A little soul, right? You know, something with like yeah. you know, deep, like, some deep stuff. That's, I would and not have guessed that. It literally was a scene out of a fucking I, movie. I would have guessed like a 90s pop song. Yeah, exactly, right? I think he actually did do something like that later, but yeah. it was out of, it was like a scene out of a Western or whatever, Ross, where, like, you know, everybody's doing their own thing, looking at their glass, talking to people, yeah. and he just, like, hits the first note and, you know, just goes, like, you know, like the deep muscle. Everybody drops like, their glasses and looks up. <laughs> the room goes fucking silent, right? Yeah, like, look, Ross has this look on his face of just, like, pure incredulous right now, and that's what everyone's just like, wait, what? And we're all just like, and the, the whole room doesn't move as he just does the whole song, and then there's, like, actual clapping, at the end of it, you know, at like this little janky bar in New Jersey that we're doing. And, and it was just like absurd. And like, you know, he did a couple other things. And that's when we found out apparently he's just absurdly talented at like everything he does. Yeah. Like most European people are. So Dude, I, I have a similar story. You, you might have heard it, but it is it is my surprise magic person who is an incredible vocalist. Can I, can I take a guess at who it is? Sure. Is it Matthias Hunt? Yes. Yeah. This was at the first Players Championship in Roanoke. And I was I was there for this, right? I think I was there for this when he. I don't think you were at the first one. I was at the I was at the I was at the I was at a bar when he did this. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, but it was at the first one when I found out he's done it. He's done it other times, but the first time that I heard it um, was the first PC, and uh, the people who were living in Roanoke at the time, this was before I lived there or lived here, took us out, and we went to a bar that's still here. It's called Corn Beef and Company, and they have karaoke on Thursdays because we're all there on Thursday. Wait, this is the bar where Brennan and I got like alcohol poisoning, pretty much, right? No, that's Fork in the Market. Okay, so I'm yeah. I'm convinced something happened with our drinks. Yeah, different, different, different karaoke bar. Sure. Um, they're close to each other. They're both downtown. But we were at Corn Beef and Company, and uh, we're you know doing karaoke, having a good time. And Matthias goes up, and do you know the song that he sang? No, I don't. He sang "Believe" by Cher. Oh, I'm sure he. Do you believe him. in yeah. life after love? His, his octave range can go so high. Yeah, he has a much higher voice. Uh, like he 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 has a, a a very high singing voice for a man, um, and it's just incredible. Like he fucking killed it, and none of our entire group just like sat there stunned. And yeah, apparently, like you know, he's you know done music training for many years yeah, he's in like, like a, a, a trained a, yeah he's in like a chorus now uh like or a choir or whatever um but an incredible singer um so yeah you know it's just the the things you don't know about magic players some of them can just fucking sing yeah it's like when you find out the little like so here's the thing when you get a group of people who are all when you're around a group of people who play magic especially the ones that are playing at a very high competitive level like the average intelligence level in your group is a little bit higher than normal. You know what I mean? And or, yeah. or competence level. You know, like these people are when they they do something, they don't do it for fun. You know, they're like, I want to be good at this, right? And 
it, it's like when you you know you find out little things here or there. Like I remember one of the first pro tours I ever went to. We had the like we set the players club. Did you ever play one of the ones that had like the players club, like the players only? I areas? didn't, but I know I know that era. There was like food sitting there, and like there was fun stuff to do. There was like a ping pong table. Yeah, and, there'd be like video games set up. And yeah, shit and it like was that. yeah. So they had video games set up, ping pong tables, and like they had a putt putt little area, like one little putt putt thing, and people were betting on the oh, stuff. Course. Yeah, classic. And I was like, I will take anyone for any amount of money, and I'll putt right or left handed. It's like I'll, I was like, I'll, straight up, bring it, and I was just decimating people. <laughs> yeah, see, I I'd be on, I'd be on the ping pong table, not the, not that, the golf yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and uh, I mean, depending on the video game too, I'll, I'll put myself up with some of the best in the world, you know, in stuff, especially at that time back when I was doing that more. You know, I don't think there's a single video game where I would do that. Maybe like 15 years ago, playing Madden. I used to play a lot of Madden when I was younger. I think we joked about this on the show before, right? I think I think at one point in time I might have been one of the best Mario Golf on Nintendo sixty four players in the entire world, which is like it's kind of in vogue now because it just came out for whatever for Switch, the system, yeah. yeah, whatever the system is. I don't even know the names and stuff. And uh, anyway, I'm kind of like we're we're super tangenting here. So I'm supposed to be going to Houston tomorrow, yeah. Right? And so uh, I'm at my house right now. Uh, I just got done with some yard work. Uh, Natalie's parents came over to like uh, they they have a. Uh, like, we don't own a weed eater or we don't own a blow. Like, we don't own one of the things that we need. So, th- it's an excuse for them to come over. They help out a tiny bit and we eat some food. And, you know what I mean? It's like an excuse for the parents to come over, right? You yeah. Know? And they love to see the dog. Don't get me wrong. And the dog so, loves to see that, right? But, he loves her, her dad. Yeah, she loves... Or she loves uh, her, Yeah, yeah sorry. Sorry. She loves uh, Bill or Guillermo, like, so much. It's unreal, yeah. right? Like, she just flipped... The, the, it's the, also, the, the pocket of treats is kind of a cheat. Oh, yeah. It's funny because... Uh, the, the Natalie's mom comes in first and she, she, uh, Bill's not here yet. Like he's in the car getting some stuff. Right. And when, when the mom comes in, she gets excited. She like goes up and says hello. And then she gets more excited and more excited. You can see her just looking around and she's like, where's the other one? Yeah. Don't ask that Guillermo. Don't ask that's my favorite. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And so, uh, um, so anyway, so, yeah, yeah. so we're, we're sitting there and, uh, you know, I also went by their house earlier today because I needed to drop something off. A very, like, very serendipitous thing happened. Um, a, a friend, well, it's, I guess it's not serendipitous. My my cousin, who's uh, on their side, uh, bought a magic card from me that was, like, pretty expensive. But, like, I have a cool card that he wanted. And he was like, hey, you know, can I get this? And I was like, sure, uh, I'll mail it whenever. And he goes, no, uh, Natalie, Natalie's mom, uh, Jenny, he's like, she's she's coming to visit on Friday. So you can just give her the card. And she'll pick up to me. I was like, oh, cool. We don't have to deal with the mail or whatever. So I went over there because I didn't know they were coming tonight. So I've seen her twice today. I've like hugged her, kissed her, you know, like whatever. Same, same with Bill, you know, the usual stuff. And we're sitting down for dinner and we're eating and Bill looks at his phone and uh, he's like, oh, and he like, I don't remember exactly how he reacted because like this is, this is where stuff goes a little haywire. He has like an incredulous reaction to his phone. We're like, hey, what's going on? So Natalie has a sister. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping everybody can keep up with this. This is kind of like the, uh, what is it, Spaceballs? My sister's cousin's brother's roommate's former mailman, you know, kind of thing. So what does that make us? Absolutely <laughs> nothing, you know. Um, <laughs> when will then be now? Soon. Maybe that's when I'll get the story out, finally. So anyway, um, Natalie has a sister. You can't and, get it out soon. That's my thing. Yeah, exactly, right? Natalie has a sister. Uh, they have a, a, a kind of a newborn. It's less than a year. And her husband's name is Mike. He just goes, um... Mike just tested positive for COVID-19. I was like, oh, no. I was like, is, is like, the baby okay? Like, are they going to have to keep the baby? You know, I'm, like, worried for a minute. And we're just, like, sitting there talking about it for a second. And then, like, I stopped and thinking about it for a second. I'm like, so he tested positive, like, today? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, when's the last time y'all have seen them? 
And they're like, we were there yesterday. And I'm like, I have hugged and kissed both of you. You're in my home. We are very close to each other right now without masks on. So I immediately uh, text Jonathan Job and uh, Dave Thomas, let him know what's up. And I'm like, I, I'm just not coming now because it's there's a possibility I've been exposed. We don't know what yeah. variant. You're, you're going to go get tested. It's going to take a few days to yeah. get an appointment and I, get it all I, done. I, I might still test negative. You know, if I get exposed today and I and I get a test tomorrow, I might still you know get a negative tomorrow. Like I might wait a few days. Yeah. Because like you know, sometimes it takes a few. I think it has a gestational period of up to like five days or something like that, depending on the variant or whatever. And um, so uh, I'm going to quarantine myself for at least the next few days before I can before I can do that. So I'm not going to go anywhere. And uh, I mean, it sucks. You know, I don't get to, I don't get to see my friends. I don't get to see the the thing. But like with everything that you and I have talked about on the show over the last year, we haven't been preachy about it. You know, there's maybe one or two episodes where we were like pretty forward about it. You know, about like just wear your damn mask. You know, get the get the vaccine. You know, blah blah blah. I can't in good conscience go because here's the thing. Yeah. And you and I talked about this. And doing the right Dave, thing. Yeah, Dave and Job were both like, "Dude, you're going to be fine." I'm like, I'm not worried about me. If I contract COVID nineteen, I'm probably going to be fine. I am 36 years old with good health, no prior medical conditions. I exercise yeah. almost daily. No comorbidities. Yeah, like none of the the pre-existing conditions that that exacerbate any of the problems. Right. If I get it, I might not even know. I might be completely asymptomatic, like, you know, blah, 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 but I can still be a carrier, right? Like, I, I can still transmit. And, like, going to a concert or yeah. a poker room is just seems, like, really wildly just, like, dangerous. Yeah, the most reckless thing you could possibly do. Yeah, if I'm possibly doing that. And it's one of those things that's, like, I'm probably fine, right? Like, I probably don't have it, like, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if there's even a chance that I do, and there's even another smaller chance that I run into someone who, you know, either shouldn't be out in the public right now or B is near, you know what I mean? Is adjacent to someone, you know, like you yeah. know, their brother has had cancer or something, or their brother has cancer or their sister or their mother. Has and diabetes I mean, or. Yeah. And like, I'll never know, right. They'll never be able to like contact trace that back to me, but like, I don't want that to happen. Right. And especially with the numbers and the, the spikes that we're seeing right now, and yeah, I'm with in the like, Delta variant, and I'm dead central to that stuff right now. Like you know, South Louisiana, a lot of Texas, a lot of Florida, a lot of the southern states right now, our our vaccination rates aren't that great. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like, it, hey, we're up. You know, we don't have the highest literacy rates. You know, all the you know all the other stuff. I'm not going to go into all the stuff that we're bad at because if you name it, we're probably at the bottom ten. As they say in Alabama, at least we're not Mississippi. Yeah, that, that's actually a joke down here. We, we, we say here, at least we're not Mississippi. Yeah. And, uh, so, in New England, we joke about Rhode Island. Yeah, it, that, that's not me calling out Mississippi in any way. If you're listening in Mississippi, I'm not calling out your state. We all, you know, give each other shit. I'm sure you make fun of the, you know, L, LSU or Louisiana in some way, shape, or form. You, know, you, wouldn't, like, you also wouldn't be the first. Like, Nina Simone has the song Mississippi Goddamn. Phil Oaks wrote the song Heroes to the State of Mississippi, which is not a positive song. Um, <laughs> That's pretty so, lightly. So Mississippi, uh, they take a lot of flack. Yeah, of course. Let's talk about something positive for a second. Um, so people at home can't see this, but you've got a new background. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of similar. It's just white walls. Uh, I haven't had the time to to put things up yet, but I I I was busy this week, as Tan had mentioned earlier, because I made a move over the weekend, and I'm still getting everything situated. Uh, 
you know, a- Anderson moved out of the house that the Andersons used to own. Casa de Anderson? Yeah, yeah. It's, or, I'll always think of it as the Anderson house, even though now there's no Andersons living in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, when Anderson moved out, time. yeah, I, I decided that uh, that I would move in and t- take his room. So I'm living with director Rob and Travis now. Uh, and we did the move on Sunday. Uh, got most of everything. I have until the end of the month to get out of the old apartment. And I've got a few things still left over there that I'm going to handle tomorrow. And I'm mostly unpacked here, too. I'd say I'm about three quarters of the way unpacked after a couple days. But, uh, you know, so far, the move's been great. Uh, um, you know, it's just a, it's a nice house. We're getting everything situated now. With all of my extra furniture, we've sort of turned the downstairs, uh, which used to just sort of be a barren basement with a bar in it. And now it's basically a studio apartment without a bathroom. Like you have to go upstairs to use the bathroom. But there's a there's I'm totally a, gonna move in. Yeah, there's a, there's a queen air mattress, uh, and uh, there's still the, there's still the it's a nice it's a nice air mattress. And you, you, like they make good air mattresses these days. If you don't know yeah, that, yeah, yeah. like the quality of them has improved a lot. Um, so there's queen a really nice queen air mattress. It's what the when the Andersons the, when they first moved back, they lived in the basement for like a month while they found a, a new house. And they bought that air mattress for themselves and raved about it. Uh, and we've had, you know, uh, we had Zach Allen here last week um, and he, he slept there. And so we've got that and there's a, there's another couch down there and now a couple tables and a couple extra chairs. So it's all it's a whole production. A um, couple of my tables went and have now become folding tables in the laundry rooms. So you can do some uh, some serious laundry folding, which I am doing. Because I, I, I'm the thing that I've been most excited about in moving into this place was having a washer dryer in my domicile yeah. for literally the first time in my entire life, other than when I was in college. I have another question too. Does, yeah. Is your shower head above your head now? Um, well, it was always above my head, Dan. And the question is if it's above yours. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, was yeah. I used to always joke about Ross because Ross's shower head is probably like even with his head. And I'm a good, what, four or five inches taller than you, maybe? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and so, like, for me, I feel like I'm in, like, a hobbit shower. Yeah, like, it, it, like, it was like at your, like, nose to eye level, baby. Yeah, so, like, when it's, you know, and it's, it's downward curved, so it's, like, yeah. it's under my chin. So, like, if I needed to wash my hair, I had to, like, Yeah, know, you had to bend over, but you're used to that. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I just figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Ross. Um... Yeah, so we're just getting everything situated here, and uh, you know, r- roommates are cool. I mean, I was I, but basically like during the uh, the quarantine phase, the he- or at least the locked uh, lockdown phase, I should say, of COVID last year, we all sort of formed a, a pod, and it was the people that worked on Versus Live, which was me, Corey, and Rob, and we all had to be in the little studio together anyway. And you know, we wore masks. I'm still wearing a mask. Um, but still, like, you're in close quarters, the masks only do so much. So we figured that, like, the people that the three of us live with, we just, you know, form a pod. And so Rob was living with Anderson and Travis, and I was alone, and then uh, Corey just had his fiance Tori. Uh, so the six of us just hung out most of last year, and it was just, you know, I would basically do nothing but stay home, go to the grocery store, and go to this house. <laughs> and that's that was exactly it. yeah. It's exactly how my year was. And if it wasn't for Brian Basoko, I would have lost my goddamn mind. Yeah, because that's how it was. Like we both made the pact. We're like, all right, you're not doing anything stupid and like going out in public. He's like, no. And I was like, okay, like once or twice a month, you're coming over and we're just gonna like watch a movie and hang out, and we'll do it from like 
you know, he like sat on one end of the room and like I sat on yeah. the other end of the room, you know, like, we were like trying not to, you know, be too close to each other just in case and stuff. And it was, it was nice to at least like break the monotony. You know? Yeah. It was nice to have something. Uh, and so that was the compromise that, that we made. We actually did have one scare because Anderson right, was working right, as a server yeah. and last November he tested positive. And so we all immediately started, you know, isolating and all went, went out and get tested. Uh, and fortunately we all tested negative and we, we missed that there were, you know, I think two, maybe three episodes of Versus that just didn't happen. And, uh, we, you know, we didn't even really tell people exactly what was going on. Right. You um, didn't, like, cause any panic or anything. Yet. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and, and when there wasn't really any need to be. Like, Anderson was, was pretty sick for a day or two where he, like, you know, felt like shit and was basically bedridden. And they isolated him in his room. And Rob and Travis, uh, you know. To, took care of him to some degree and then uh but then felt fine afterwards so it, it wasn't too serious for him fortunately and and we were all lucky enough to to test negative so um that was our our one scare over that time period and now um you know now i guess i'm just living here but it's it's cool now with uh so with the, with the andersons in their new house which is very close by it's, it's walkable so i can walk nice. to the hot tub nice. uh, and then this house and then the Ori's just bought a house, yeah, so now we have now house. we have three houses, and uh, all of them have have rooms for rooms for guests. Like they they both have guest bedrooms, and we have the basement. Are, are the Ori's close as well? They're for, they're further away. They're in the they're actually not technically in the city of Roanoke. They're in Cave Spring, which is just south. It's not that far. It's like it, it's probably about a fifteen minute drive from where we are. So like not not that far, but uh, for Roanoke, they're far. <laughs> um, uh, because everything in the city is close. So they're on the other side of town and the Andersons and this house are on one side. So we've got room for people. Uh, unfortunately though, we have a rule that nobody can stay with us during the invitational because Rob has to work such long hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I'm going to so, put that, I'm going to put that rule to the test. If I ever come for one of them, I'll sleep in the basement and not bother anyone. I'm, d- I'm just saying like, I, I can't overturn Rob on that. That's yeah, it. That's his thing. So, of course. uh, so it's, it's not my call. Rob, Rob is the one you have to schmooze. Yeah. Is, 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 I'll have a, look, I'll, I'll do some good ass kissing for Rob. Okay. Yeah. I'll, buy, I'll, I'll look, you'll, you'll tell me ahead of time. I'll get you to be like my, uh, my like covert ninja. I'll be like, <laughs> what, what alcohol does he really like? I'll come like butter him up with it and stuff, you know? Well, like, he's from know. Kentucky. Ooh. I like, I like stuff from Kentucky. Bourbon. I was say, what bourbon is he like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, and I, he and I can have a good night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, does he like Makers? Might I know? Everyone likes bu- Makers, Ross. <laughs> I, no, well, I'm trying to think like what he. I think he. I think he likes Buffalo Trace. Okay. Well, we we, can, we got a while. Also, I might not be coming to the one. Yeah. In in October, right? Late. It is, October? Yeah, it's, it's Halloween weekend. Yeah, I'm probably yeah. I'm probably not coming to that. So like, we'll see. Which is going to be super fun. You should come if you can. And I think it's going to be a shit show. But well, now with with the CDC walking back some shit, and, and I, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with it. But I live here, so you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that much. Uh, th- yeah, we'll I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to fly across the country and deal with all this when, like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll see what happens. Like, if, yeah. it, if stuff looks better coming up, exactly, I you, you just play it. it safe. And like, you know, when Ander- when Anderson tested positive, he immediately told all of us, and he was like kind of worried about doing that because he knew he was going to like fuck up verses for us and I, and I told him it's like no you did exactly what you should do you should like, do this yes <laughs> like I, I would have been mad if you didn't <laughs> uh so you know like I, I can understand his position though yeah I, I like it, it, it's yeah. It, it's an awkward position so I, I did understand it as well but like you know the, the 
doing the right thing for humanity is more important than making a few hundred dollars, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and more people should understand that. And if more people did understand that, we'd be in a better position. Yeah, you think people believe that, but I, have you been to America? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, anyway, but how are you liking the new place? It looks great. Uh, I can see and hear you better. I know that. Well, I think it, I think that's mostly because our internet here is much better. I was, uh, I was, so we have Google Fiber. They're sort of slowly so getting it through Roanoke, and, and so it's dumb. hit this part of town. It was not in my part where I was living before. So I was paying for, like, second-tier Cox internet, uh, and it, it, it just, it wasn't great. Ross, and, I'm a grown man, and I just giggled at you saying second-tier Cox. Yeah, I mean, you know what second-tier Cox is like, Tana. It's just, it, it's just not what you want. Only top-tier cocks on this show, Rob. At, at the Only very top-tier. least, even that is, isn't great. And so we're a level above the top-tier cocks. And, uh, with, You've with, kept a straight face through all of this, and I have no idea how. Well, I, I, I don't know what you're t- what you're talking about, Tana. I'm just talking about internet service. I'm talking about ISPs. And fiber, yeah. Yeah. You know, the fiber is strong here. It's rigid. It's a very rigid, turgid internet connection that we have. And I'm, I'm feeling really good about it. Uh, yeah, it's the, like the, the the cords to you know they're real petulant when they come out. Yeah, they just attach and they really get in there. The bandwidth is just bursting. It's bursting in a way that the second tier Cox could not not match. It just couldn't perform up to the necessary standards that I have for my internet service provider, Tannen. I don't I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've officially gone way off the rails, and I love it. Oh yeah. This is, this is one of my favorite episodes of it's, all time. It's so, been a while since we've gone this far off the rails. We had to make up for last week. I mean, we just like immediately went into the show. Yeah, we I know. Like 30 seconds. Yeah. It was so like, if, I think that was like a record for like getting into the show. Like, if, you're a, if you're a fan of the rants part of MTG rants as opposed to the MTG part, then this show is for you. And I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you have better internet than second tier Cox. I, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I can see the timestamp now. Like someone, someone's just gonna like post about it in the Discord, like the, the with the eyes emoji. <laughs> yeah. like, First magic talk is at seven hours and forty two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's like forty nine minutes. What? You know, kind of thing. But I, I kind of feel like we should maybe move into some of the magic talk now or whatever. But, I guess we could if if I that's mean, that's the thing. I've I've sure. I've said all I wanted to say. We got into yeah. Cox. So I mean, there's there's some more stuff to talk about this week. Yeah. That I blew um, my load. I'm spent. Okay, now I'm actually good. <laughs> That's what I say. Are, are you actually done? Um, <laughs> did you finish? <laughs> Was it good for you? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I've had better. Anyway, um, <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> you, the, you were drinking the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked away. I looked away. I'm sorry. Ross always just spit beer everywhere. But um, I anyway. One of the things that we did want to talk about this week, and I'm going to try not to bash on Watsy too much with this because... I'm going to do the opposite. Okay, sure. Um, Historic. Uh, So, anybody who's, like, watched Ross's show or heard us talk about this, we like to play this game sometimes where someone names a magic card. We tell you whether it's legal with Historic or not. And that game just can't even be played anymore because we're getting, what was it, 810 cards added to Historic? Some, I, I thought it was 700-something, but, you know, basically the same thing. Number. Yeah, yeah, seven, 800, some gigantic, throbbing number that's just unreal. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, may, maybe I'm done now. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> uh, just some gigantic number, right? And um, 
we've joked about this before with arena right and i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna bury the lead here we've joked about this before with arena with it like not being a competitor uh we're trying to differentiate from it you know blah 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 but we're officially hearthstone now um there are digital only cards coming out in the set that are going to do random things affect cards in your deck or affect cards in your hand or affect cards permanently uh there's like a new phrase uh perpetually you know like if like it gives something in your hand plus two plus two perpetually meaning every turn for the rest of the game right or like all the creatures in your deck that do something or that are you know this certain type gain something you know like kind of like they used to do in hearthstone they, they also previewed that like momir vague card like, right and so there's colors green enchantment it's like yeah. x tap you know make a token that's a copy of a random creature with cmcx and then sorry like, mana value with mbx yeah, exactly and then there's like other cards that like they do something random but you have there's like eight things that it can find you'll, you'll get one of yeah like, that's literally something out of hearthstone like one of the the biggest you know cards like early to, to uh to like have a big impact and constructed i think it's called animal companion i haven't played hearthstone in a few years now and it was just like a three drop, and you'd play it, and you got one of three companions, right? Does anyone still play Hearthstone? I, I don't think I've heard anyone talk um, about it for quite a while. So some people still play or whatever. Uh, today is probably not the best day to talk about this because the Activision Blizzard walkout was going on. Oh, today. yeah, that because Blizzard fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, By whole, the way, that's be, a whole other can of worms. You'd be really proud of me. I uh, did not cross picket lines today. I did not even, like, my favorite streamer was still streaming an Activision game today, and I, like, didn't even watch. I was like, no, no crossing the line. You know what I mean? Or I'm not even sure what games are Activision, though I basically don't I don't watch any games other than yeah. Magic, so I think I'm fine. Yeah, like the, one of the only games that is involved, it's Warzone, is done by okay, Activision. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, it literally pulls up the screen, like, like when I click on Warzone to play it, like, Hearthstone's, like, right there. WoW is right there. You know, like, I, I think Activision does some stuff with... Don't know, cross the fucking games. picket line. Stop yeah, eating Frito-Lay products right now, too. Yeah, exactly. Though I think what... There's what the ones in, the strikers in Topeka on the Frito Lay strike breached an agreement. I don't know if that was the entirety of it. I haven't looked too deeply into it, but it's also pretty easy for me to avoid Frito Lay products. So it's like uh, it, it came up the other day, and I try not to make a big deal about it. But like uh, you know, I was with some people, and they said something about like let's you know they're hungry, like let's grab some Chick Fil A or something. I was just like, can we do literally? Can we go literally anywhere else? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chick Fil A isn't hate. even that good. It's fine, but that company's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> just get some fucking Popeyes. Yeah. Anyway, I actually had Popeyes for dinner. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I bet I'll it was. You, uh, they gave us uh, spicy instead of mild, and it was still pretty damn good. I, I mean, just, I don't like. I, I would take spicy. spicy so I don't like spicy chicken. It messes my stomach up a little bit too much. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Well, it was a hot day. I just got done cutting the grass. I was starving, and I got to eat fried chicken and biscuits. God, it was so fucking hot today. It was like mm -hmm. 94, 95 in Roanoke, and humid. I was like just. I was drenched in sweat. Anyway, so with this historic stuff. Oh, um, no, I want to hear more about how sweaty you were. Uh, just, no. no. Slower? I started, I, started, I started going down the line. Nope, we're not crossing that line. <laughs> this is the official picket line. All right. Um, and I know that, you know what, Ross, just, just rant away. Like, how, how do you feel about this? I feel angry. And is this, is this, is this old man yelling at a cloud at least a little bit? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not even sure what old man yelling in the cloud is like. You know, don't change my thing. You know, back in my day, this, this, this isn't magic because it's not the magic I knew when I was a kid, etc. Well, you know what I mean? Like, no, because I think this has implications that are worrying, right? 
I think one of the things that has made Magic a, a, a long-lasting game and as popular of a game as it is, is that kitchen table experience. And the majority of Magic players today, I think even you know right now in, in the year of our Lord 2021, are kitchen table players, right? And, you know, it might be more, a more of a old man yells at cloud rant when I talk about how I prefer the experience of paper Magic to online Magic, you know, that's that's where a bit of that comes in. But the fact that the two were always linked, I think, was an important aspect of it. And now we see that Arena is becoming very much an online-only way of playing Magic. And that, to me, signifies an even stronger desire than we knew or maybe wanted to admit on the part of WotC or perhaps Hasbro to transition into more of a digital space. Now, they've already tried to transition into an esports space and admittedly failed and are moving away from that. So what other space is there to move into in a digital platform? And to me, that is that the sort of uh, like freemium kind of model that Arena basically already runs on, right? Like, Technically, you can play Arena without putting a, a dime in, right? But I've I've put very little money in there, and I have everything. Yeah. but I'm I'm the exception. Yeah, well, you put a lot of time in, right? True. Of True. drafting, so you know, time time and money are, are interchangeable in this discourse. So, um, but you know, technically, like you can play a lot of constructed Magic and build an entire collection just playing all the time and building up from nothing. And yes, that is possible. And I think Watsi or slash Hasbro likes to tell you that that is possible. And they, they sort of harp on that as a cover for the reality, which is that Arena to maintain a competitive collection of cards is incredibly expensive. And, uh, it also is not, it's a sunk cost, you know, when you buy cards on MTGO, eventually you can sell them and get at least a portion of your money back, maybe potentially even net money. You shouldn't bank on ever doing that, but it's possible and it certainly happens. Arena, you literally buy something that has no resale value at all. Uh, like you, and that, uh, you know, leaning people into that, uh, you know, is obviously part of their vision for the future of magic. And it's not a vision that I share because it's both predatory and separate from the the origins of magic. And yes, that's a little old man yells at cloudy, but it's going to be difficult to, you know, now if you want to be a competitive magic player, a professional magic player, like you're going to have to try to play so many different formats and maintain paper and online collections or, you know, maybe through sponsorships you can do it, but it's not like Moto where you can have these card lending services, you know, or you can't do that in Arena because you can transfer anything. So really I just fucking hate Arena because it's so obviously predatory and I get that that probably makes them a lot of fucking money, but I frankly don't give a flying fuck about their bottom line. So, um, you know, this whole deal with Historic just means that it is a format that I have n literally no interest in playing. Now, the, the one positive I will say out of this is that I've been operating under the assumption that Historic was being groomed in it uh, to be the 
you know, between competitive format that exists in the space between standard and modern. And that is likely no longer the case in a paper world. I think official, you know, Watsi events are going to focus more and more online and historic will be important there. But in terms of third-party tournaments, which is what I'm generally focused on these days and the SCG Tour chief among them, um, there's not really a, there's not really any space for historic then. So they're going to have to focus on standard modern and then what is the third format? And there's a choice. You can, you can try to play legacy again. That's really difficult with the high barrier to entry monetarily. But the obvious choice then is a return of pioneer. So I do think that this choice heralds a potential emergence of pioneer where if Watsi is going to create this disconnect between online magic and paper magic, you can say, well, online, there is standard, modern, and historic, and in paper, there is standard, modern, and pioneer. And paper will focus more towards the older of the of the three and more pioneer and modern, whereas um, online will focus more towards the arena formats, which are historic and standard. And maybe that creates a sort of healthy ecosystem where people who want to play primarily online can do that and they focus on the formats that are primarily online and people want to who want to be primarily paper magic players can focus on the formats they want to now i'm skeptical and not very optimistic about that ecosystem working out harmoniously but at least i can have some hope of it doing so uh amidst um you know what is otherwise just a giant wave of pessimism. I'm kind of similar to you in almost everything you said. It's it's interesting, right? Um, from a pure business standpoint, like I get what they're doing. This is going to make a lot of money, right? The, the system that Arena uses to get cards, et cetera, et cetera, is, and everyone uses the same word because I think this is very apt. It's extremely predatory. You know, it is geared to make you spend money over and over again with no chance of ever recovering those funds, right? Not from the collection standpoint. Obviously, there's tournaments you can play in that have, you know, cash payouts. Um, when it comes to historic and what we're seeing, you are going to be playing Magic, but you're going to be playing a different game of Magic. Very different than what we're used to. And I don't want to say, like, this is actually just a different game. Like, you're not playing Magic anymore, because that's not true. And you don't want to say magic. better or worse, right? I, like, I you also don't, don't want to say better or worse, because, like, yeah. that's that's subjective, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I will probably like it less. But and because we have I, so much nostalgia built up right. for what was old, so what is new is going to inherently feel worse, because it doesn't come with that same nostalgia. I did enjoy Hearthstone quite a bit. I enjoyed the randomness of certain things. It was pretty cool. Um the idea of any of this making it into any kind of competitive scene scares the shit out of me. If like you ever had to play it, like thank God there's no more historic, like there's no more H, uh, I said HPL, there's no more MPL. And cause like, can you imagine like someone playing in like the finals of like a hundred thousand dollar event or something like, and it comes down to one of the RNG cards and they're like, all right, well 33% of the time I just went on the spot. You know, yeah, like, but like, you, there's going to be historic arena yeah. opens still and things yeah, like course. that. So that stuff is going to happen. It's but that happen. stuff it's is like, the least of yeah. my worries because we still have moments like that today. Like, you know, you could be playing it's burn and it just comes down to do they draw a fucking burn yeah, spell on the last turn? 
No, of course. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I'm just saying it's it's a different one, right? And you're seeing it more readily. I you know, I'm talking about things you didn't, you know, either you didn't talk about or I want to expound upon. And like, you know, people are going to see this, right? Like they're going to see it happening differently and it's like it's a little different than it's like it's like losing a game of magic after you thought see someone and you're like, oh, their hands are very good. And then you see them just top deck you every turn for the rest of the game because they play a card you didn't see and you lose that hand. And it's way more tilting than if you just lost the game to them having a very good draw and you didn't thought seize them. I wish I didn't thought seize my opponent. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't want to see the sausage being made. And in this case, the sausage yeah. is randomness. What's, what's, <laughs> what's the joke? There's two things you don't ever want to see other made sausage and laws. <laughs> I've never started... heard that phrase, but it's a good one. I just started watching The West Wing, and I'm like in season one. And they literally said that in like the last episode I watched. So like he was like, or one of the last episodes, he's like, yeah, there's two things you never want to see made: it's laws and sausage, or whatever. And I was like, that's actually very true, or whatever. So, um, but anyway, and apparently historic. We could add historic to the, uh, <laughs> to, 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 the to the thing. But um, you know, you know, change isn't always bad, right? You know, I fear change. Like everyone's always scared of change, and you know, this is gonna be fun for a lot of people. Like they're they're gonna enjoy it. The fact that it's eight hundred cards or whatever, right? And it's only oh, yeah. out for a certain amount of time on the system, and then you like have to. I guess you have to uh, if you want the cards after that. You have to. Uh, uh, what's the word for dusting on there? You have to you know craft you to craft them. Yeah, sorry, I'm like stuck in the Hearthstone stuff. Yeah. By the way, that was one of the hardest things when I transitioned over to Hearthstone to do casting and stuff was to say like minion instead of creature, like you know, just like changing the little vernacular. Yeah, the yeah, it the was language so difficult, right? But it actually worked out sometimes. Like I remember I was like doing a mage match once, and the guy had a bunch of like fireballs and you know frost bolts in his hand, and I was like, he's just got a fistful of burn. You know, a very common phrase for magic. And so like we went to commercial, and my uh, my director was like, "Where'd you get that from? That was great." And I was like, "That's a very." very common like magic phrase I'm like oh okay <laughs> he's like i thought you were a genius and I'm like, no, I'm dumb. <laughs> but, but anyway so when someone says you're a god you say yes <laughs> i know right ray ray all right anyway um so I, I hate this for so many reasons and i'm trying not to have any of it be old man yells at cloud or like get off my lawn type stuff right because like obviously i'm an indoctrinated player right you know i've been in the game on and off since like the early 90s like legacy does not have a barrier of entry problem for me if i don't own like i could literally i don't own any power but if i needed to play a fully powered deck like this weekend like it is what wednesday night right now if i needed a fully powered deck i could have one in under 24 hours like i am i am the exception right you know even if you personally didn't know someone you could literally put out on twitter i have an event at uh the at the scg con where i i need a, a vintage deck you would you would have people like fighting to let you borrow their deck. Yeah. Now you don't have that on arena. You know you have these problems with the predatory system and the cards. You know blah blah blah. And like so I I don't see I don't have the same problems that people have in the game. Right. I I I am aware that I have privilege in the game of Magic. Right. And this is a, a good allegory for like life as well. I'm I'm aware that I have privilege. Right. And being aware of that you know is big because it. it having that privilege definitely af affects my opinions on things. Right. And you're in, you're listening to my show, right. You're listening to my podcast right now or, or our, our podcast, you know, the, you know, and you want to hear my opinions and you might not always agree with them, but like, that's the way I feel. Right. It's like, it's probably not for me. I might have fun watching it. I might have fun playing it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to get all these cards. It's way too much. It's way too predatory. 
But I, I see where this is going to appeal to a lot of people. And the thing is, you can't replicate this on the table. And you you touch this. The kitchen table thing, right? Go into your local store and do this. I would love to be able to do this in person somehow. Love it. There's just no way that you yeah. can do this stuff. I mean, maybe they could like generate an app to run the algorithms for you. Yeah, you need to do this, and it like yeah, that's actually yeah. not a bad idea. I, I yeah, I think that's a gr- actually a great that's, idea. That's a simple. That's a. I, I feel really dumb right now. That's a very simple fix. That's very doable. Is you just literally get the Wizards Companion app or the Arena Companion app or whatever, and like. Oh, you know, hey, randomly on there, you know, there's there's a button you can click that lets you buy gems at a, a discounted rate. Watsy, I'm here all week. Just pay me a little bit of money, and I will make you a ton. I promise. <laughs> and you and you will make less mistakes. Just I could be the yes or no man in the room. Hey, should we do this? You probably shouldn't tweet that one out. You know, hey, you probably shouldn't say it that way. You know, Holly Warfold hates Imbercleave. Just so you know, she hates it. <laughs> uh, honestly, if they had that functionality right now, we would be playing this on versus live, and I would be excited about it. Yeah, because I would, that I would love that it. restores the link between the digital space and the physical space. I guarantee you, right now. Hold on, real quick. I guarantee you, right now, if this was playable in paper. And you could do it on, on it. It would be your most watched episode. I would bet money. Oh, it would be up there. It, it would definitely be up there. It, it would be one of the two, like 2K easy. yeah, two K is like the you know we've only done that a handful of times. Yeah. We we actually hit our. Over, I said they overordered at like nineteen five. Or yeah, something, you know we, like, we hit our we actually hit our highest show recently during MH two previous season. Yeah, we we had twenty seven hundred. Wow! During one of those shows, yeah, it was it was the one when Todd came back. So we had MH two stuff and Todd storm. coming back, and yeah, yeah, it, it was storm, it was a, yeah. a perfect storm. But the my issue, my I biggest watch. issue here is separating the the digital and the physical, because I'm worried. I don't think magic can exist in both spaces simultaneously, right? Like, is there a game that that has done that effectively? I because, don't think so, honestly. And like, it, are you worried about? other parts of it too like the quality suffering on one end of the other because you can't give enough you yeah, and gonna like, get, like they can't they're gonna put enough. the resources where they want to put yeah. them if they want people to play more digital they're gonna put more resources towards that and that means there's gonna be fewer resources towards the physical and the physical is gonna suffer that. and that's only gonna create a snowball uh that you know or self-fulfilling prophecy that says like we well now the metrics are even better towards this end so we should push yeah. even more resources towards it's that a, end yeah uh so yeah, I, I am worried about that because I, I've I've always been um I've always been very amenable to the common refrain that MTGO is magic in a in a you know digital world, whereas Arena is a Magic the Gathering themed video game. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that hits the nail on the head. Like I'm act I'm just not a big video game person. I've played a, a good amount of video games in my life, not a ton. You know, I've owned some consoles. I haven't played, like, you know, very many console video games in the last 10 years or so. Same. Um, right? I'm just not a big video game person, but I've always been a gamer. But I like card games. I like tabletop board games. I like you're, the tactile. You're a strategy I, gamer. Yeah. I like, I like the slow, methodical pace of them. And I like the tactile experience of handling cards or handling pieces uh, of something like that, where the, and hand, you know, yes, like you're handling a controller or a keyboard when you're you know playing video games, but it's not the same because 
It's all very abstract. It's like, you know, hitting, you know, W on your keyboard to move up and shit like that, right? That took uh, me a while to get used to. I had to deal that. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Like, the, like W doesn't inherently mean up in any way. And, yeah. uh, and so there's not that same direct visceral experience when you're playing a video game versus when you're playing a tabletop game of, of any variety. I actually think I would really enjoy the, the like, miniatures games. I've never gotten into them. But just based on the other things that I enjoy, the things I enjoy about the games that I play, it makes a lot of sense to me that I would enjoy them. Oh, Um, I I watch, what is it, 40K? Is that what it's called? Warhammer? Warhammer Yeah. I watch people play it. I'm like, that looks fucking great. I want to do that. Yeah, and you can get all the terrain and stuff. And, like, I've I've known people that, like, got it really into it and bought a bunch of shit for it. And I saw the setup, and I was like, that looks really fucking cool. My LGSs, they have these tables, right? And it's really sweet. They're, like, really tall. So that, you know, that it's more at, like, a higher level. You're not, like, bending over to do it. Yeah. But there's, like, another layer underneath where you could, like, you know, put all the stuff. And there's just, um, uh, like, you know, bigger things of Tupperware. Like, you know, like, I'm talking about, like, the, the you know, the, yeah, like huge, the full huge gallon tubs. One. Yeah, just huge tubs. And in it is just different forms of terrain that people have, like, spent time making. So you could just, like, recreate, you know, you can change up the, the landscape for matches. I'm like, this looks so great. And then I look at the price. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, yeah. Give me $11 billion, please. <laughs> yeah. I already spend, it's like, I already spend so much money on magic and stuff that like, I, I just, yeah, I, I would love, the, I mean, the game looks great. And so I'm a lot like you and I have very similar, uh, gaming likes, except I, you like chess, right? Um, yeah, I, 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 I can't do it. I, I've played a bit of chess. I'm not like huge. I'm not huge into chess. I, I used to play a bit when bad. I was a kid. Uh, I actually own a cool chess board. Yeah, I remember seeing it at your place. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. somewhere near me. It's in a, it's in a bag. I haven't set it I, up yet. It's a t- it's a tiny little chess board for the audience at home that I I because I didn't have much money. I I got it in high school when I was in Madrid, and actually I uh, we went to Madrid most of the week, but there was a single day of the trip we went to Toledo, and a, Toledo is known for two things apparently, and it's chess boards and swords. Which is a weird two things to be I known like for. I like both of those things. But I, wanted, I, I wanted a sword so bad when I was a yeah, I went into this very touristy shop and they were basically selling lots of chessboards and swords. And I bought a, a small but nice looking chessboard where the pieces are, it's all uh, Greek themed. So the, the rooks are columns and it's oh, Hera yeah, yeah, and yeah. Zeus as the king and queen. And the pawns are Atlas um uh you holding with the it's atlas in a thinker pose like redan the redan sculpture but with the world uh on top of him uh so it looks cool and it's gold like they're gold and silver and the board is like um sort of jade colored and gold um but it's basically impossible to play with because it's tiny the board is like yeah, it's so it's like maybe eight inches square um so yeah, I've tried playing on it, and it, it just—it's awful. So it's a nice decorative piece that I've had since um, I guess it would have been fall of two thousand four when I went, November of 04. So I've had it for almost seventeen years. You—you you made me uh, think about this. What's like the coolest piece of like magic memorabilia you have, or like you know, like me- you know, it could have a memory attached to it. Like I have, like off the top of my head, I can think of two right now, and one of them is worth literal zero dollars. Or whatever. So if you want me to go first while you're thinking, I yeah, you, you go first. One of them I can literally see it right here. Uh, I'll try to I'll try to hold it up to the camera. This is a card that's in a hard case, and can you see what this is? It is. Pull it back a little. 
something giant war hearth cage hearth cage yeah it's this hearth cage giant and can you see this right there's here? a stamp on it looks like from there's, a gp or a pro tour yeah there's a stamp on it i had uh this is the card um i had to top deck a land at the last turn so i could cast it this is the card that got me into my first grand prix top eight and it's like uh, the only i used to have like my decks from that event because you know it was sealed and then draft 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 and, you know, for people who've ever done a professional level draft, they open the packs for you ahead of time and they stamp the cards so people can't cheat. But um, I specifically have this one. And then um, right next to it, uh, my buddy has a, like, he got me a foil signed one from the artist. So this is pretty cool. And then another one I have, this one, this one's actually worth a little bit of money, but it's just something cool. If had since I was younger in Magic and it means something to me on multiple levels is, um, I don't even know where it is, but... Uh, so I have a deck of playing cards, like, you know, Deuce the Race. Yeah. But the back of the playing card is the Magic the Gathering back. Like, it's literally... I've heard know, about these existing. Yeah, it's it's this. And it, yeah. I don't know if they were licensed or whatever, but I remember I bought it in Texas, like, at an event once for, like, $5. And if, had I known or that much poker would mean to me, I was like... Because at the time, I hadn't even played, like, really gotten into poker yet. And I would have just been like, yeah, give me all of them. I think they're like a hundred bucks a piece now. Mine is still sealed. Like I haven't even opened it. I don't know if I ever will, but I'm like, it's just a cool thing because like, it's probably the two most influential games I've played in my life or spent yeah. the most time on. And they're somehow combined. So it's pretty cool. I feel like those decks of playing cards are worth something. Not yeah, a ton, I think it's worth like a hundred dollars sealed. Or yeah. Like that. Cause I remember cause I, I was, the other reason I, I know this is like, I was talking to, to Cal Cano about it recently and he wanted one and he's like, I'm going to go to eBay. And, and he was like, Oh <laughs> shit, these are expensive. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to have the the limited deck I won my first PTQ with you know, because it's a limited PTQ, so my top eight draft deck. I used to just have that complete in a deck box. I don't. There's a bunch more. of Magic players that have done that, like they've kept their stuff. Yeah, the I'm kind of jealous that I didn't. Yeah, do that. I'm not. I, like I could have a lot of stuff like that, but I have I've all never my really felt the need to keep it. Yeah, I have um, all my jerseys from all my teams. Yeah, I have all like that Hearth, stuff. Hearthstone, Magic, all that. Yeah, I do have an old, uh, an old playmat. Do you know the old um, uh, Spellground like felt playmats? Yeah, the ones, that, the ones that look like a scroll kind. Like yeah, that are worth quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have one of them that was lot. given out as a prize for a vintage tournament. So it's it's the Mandarin Open that Ray Robillard used to run. Um, at one point, it was like the premier vintage tournament in the world. Like, you know, we had almost 200 people as, like, the largest vintage event ever played in, like, 05 at the height of vintage's popularity. Uh, and Ray and I are friends, you know, to this day where, where he's the commissioner in my fantasy football league. And um, and uh, so I, I – if you top 16, you got a playmat, and he would have them custom printed with, uh, you know, like, TMD Open and the dates. and But there would be images of cards from the previous winners of deck. And mine, I think, like a fish deck won the, the year before because it was like meddling or the tournament before because it was like meddling mage and standstill on it and shit like that. Um, it has some sharpie on it because we like altered ours, and it has a stain on it because somebody spilled some soda on it at one point, so I got to clean it. So mine is not worth particularly a lot, but I used to play on that play mat all the time, uh, and I've kept that one. Um, so that's probably my biggest magic memento. Um, but I don't have a specific card or really anything, um, though I've had that at various times. I think I got rid of like the the PTQ winning deck when I moved to Roanoke, 
right? Yeah, I, I saw like, like a, you know, I saw a few things like you know some of my favorite cards of all time and stuff like my favorite arts. Like I still have you know like and some of them are quite expensive now. You know because my my favorite artwork of all time in Magic is Dak and Blackblade from Legends. Yeah, and I've those just, are I've got a yeah I've just got a Legends you know mint you know Dakin and I'm just like well. I'm never going to get rid of it, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, you know, like little things like I have, you know, some, um, this is one of those things that like, it's not going down. So if you don't need the money, just hold on to it. Well, yeah. Even then, I mean, it'd probably be one of the last things I get rid of, like ever, if I get, you know, rid of magic stuff. Anyway, we're, we're digressing again. There, um, it's going to be a ranty episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ross is drinking. I'm probably having to be quarantined for the next week. Like, yeah. I'm kind of losing my mind, you know, kind of thing I, over here. I but... came home from bar trivia before recording this episode. We won, by the way, uh, very, surprised. very easily. Uh, again, not surprised. Yeah. We were up by nine after round one uh, when it was four points a question. And then after round two, it was it was me, Todd Anderson, uh, Travis Gibson, and uh, Krista, Chris McCurry. Really and, wish I could have been there. That sounded great. Yeah, and after round two, McCurry thought we were like we didn't have a good round. We were going to drop off, and I was like, no, we we definitely expanded our lead. We were up by twenty five after round two, and uh, yeah, we were we almost made it a runaway. So it's, it's four rounds. It's f- fifteen questions around, four points per question in round one, then six, then eight, then ten, and there's a speed bonus for getting in first. It's a point, and everything's done through an app. So you're like, that's how they do the speed bonus. Like you, you log in through an app and submit everything electronically. But then at the end, there's a 30 point bonus question. That's one of those like, you know, big numbers. Whoever gets closest gets 30 points. We were up by 26 going into the bonus questions. We just needed the team that was in second to not get it. We were off by a ridiculous amount. We were not even remotely close, but they didn't get it. And we would have been up by 32, but I flubbed a question that was, order these four tennis players in the order in which they last won Wimbledon. But I put them uh, earliest to most recent instead of most recent to earliest. I put them in the ro- in the opposite order. But I knew it like, cold. And it was it was like uh, Novak Djokovic, Fred Perry, Bjorn Borg, and... Um, um, God, who was the other one? Uh, Andre Agassi were the four. And Fred Perry's like late thirties. Borg is nineteen eighty was his last one. Agassi was ninety two, and Djokovic was this year. So, uh, like very easy. But I just put them in the wrong order. So we would have had a runaway if I didn't flub the tennis question. Uh, so e- easy bar trivia win, which made up for yesterday where I had a bad bar trivia night. We do bar trivia Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I'm very jealous. We we started gaming for the cards rather than try to split like 20, 30 bucks among four or five people mm-hmm. all the time. We Did just do credit card game right? for the card. I've yet to win. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I never win. <laughs> I was second in this game, so I almost I came close. <laughs> you you don't deserve it. So. Yeah, it's basically just everyone come to bar trivia and one of you will get twenty dollars because I'm there. <laughs> Though that I will say. All three of my teammates comported themselves very well tonight. They got difficult questions that I didn't know. Uh, Todd, in particular, had a really good stab on a question that was like, what famous vehicle has had license plates like SCV-09001 and SCV-01? like Some weird numbers. And I was thinking it was going to be a fictional vehicle like the Batmobile, and Todd was like, no, I think it's real, like the way they phrased the question, and just immediately locked into Pope Mobile, and we were the only team to get it. It was the answer was just Pope Mobile. And we figure I guess like the V probably stands for Vatican, or like, you know, 
So yeah. when he explained it to me, I was like, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Let's go with it. And he was just right. And it was awesome. I was very impressed. So, and McCurry frequently has uh, questions that, that impressed me. And then Travis just has categories he's really good in. Any Disney, MCU, uh, DC Comics, and... Um, so like pop culture, for sure. Yeah, but specific areas of pop culture. And he had like... And the good thing is, like, he has deep knowledge in the areas that he has knowledge in, which is important, so he can get some obscure things right. So he always just, he, he's always good for, like, three or four questions, because they always hit the MCU at some point. They always hit a little Disney, uh, and he just has those down, and I, you know, I'm, like, 60% in those as opposed to my normal 80 to 90%. Sounds like I would be almost a waste there on your team. Um, it's like I wouldn't bring you, much. If, if you could get, like, 90s and 2000s music... That would be helpful, but you I gotta know like you gotta know song. details. You gotta know like years songs were released and like obscure shit. Mm-hmm. That's the thing nah. that people don't get. Like it's not enough to just like know the bands and the and the common songs. You gotta know the uncommon shit. Yeah, I mean it happens. Tell you what, let's uh let's move back and try to figure uh, finish up uh, the last thing in magic that we want to talk about today because I think it's something that uh it, it's it's a it's a cool thought. It's a cool thought process to go through, a thought experiment to go through. And you wanted to ask the question, is Raghavan and DRC too good right now? And I think the simple answer is yes. And we could talk about why. I I agree that the short answer is yes. The long answer is yes, but Unholy Heat is a really big part of it. Unholy Heat is very, very good. We were we were talking about this the other day. Um, I was watching someone stream. Uh, it might have been on a rock. I can't, I can't remember who. They were, they were playing Legacy. That's what it was. They were playing Legacy, and they were trying out the Delverless Delver deck. Eli uh, Cassis is like leading in the trophy race right now, and he's playing the Delver deck without Delvers. This is and happening like, in Legacy? Yeah. Like, in Legacy, they're playing the, the, the typical Delver deck, but you're just yeah. playing Merc- Merktide, DRC, Ragavan, that's it. And, like, maybe a true name nemesis. So like, and you're just not yeah. playing. You know, like, some people are going back and forth. Some people are playing, like, two uh, Delvers. Some people are playing four Delvers and no Death, uh, no uh, Dragon Rage Chandler, which I'm like, that might not be right. Or Anyway, they're doing all this. They're trying all this stuff. And he was playing it, and he was like, and, we, you know, he was he was impressed with Murktide, you know, region. He's like, it's so hard for Watsy to get a delve card right like you just can't get them right like the good ones are too good and stuff and we were joking about like you know you know there's some really bad ones and there's some really good ones and i was like go look at magmatic sinkhole and then go look at unholy heat and i was excited about magmatic sinkhole when it was printed i was like yeah this is it was great. played in modern legacy and like yeah. you know, it's a joke because like all the decks are just playing unholy heat now yeah it, it, it it's it's such a huge deal and it, it's this question, it, it, it's it, it was sort of um, it was sort of a stage question because it's here to highlight something that I think people don't um, a lot of people don't quite understand about how magic works, and it, it's about things being, or it's a manifestation of things being so contextual in magic. So like obviously, Dragon's Rage Chandler would be a lot worse if Ragavan didn't exist, and vice versa, and on Holy Heat the same. And vice versa for each of the other two. So they all mutually support each other. And so when things, when decks get broken, it's generally because of a critical mass of something, not just one absurdly powerful card. And 
that that's what I think we've reached in in modern and legacy. We have this critical mass of incredibly efficient uh, threats and answers, but it's a critical mass within a small range of colors. Because what the color pie does, and this is the the primary reason that it's an important part of magic, is it is the mechanic that is fundamental to the game by which you can control the critical mass of efficient effects from being too good in uh, union with each other. Because when you add too many colors to your deck, you naturally lose consistency. So you have this tension between consistency and versatility, or consistency and efficiency by adding a critical mass of, of cheap spells. But when you have these great threats and these versatile answers, all at low mana costs, all in essentially two colors now, just basically just is it, where you used to have to be at least three. You used to have to have the really good blue counter spells and cantrips and Delver secrets, and then one color for removal and one color for to round out your threat base. Like maybe you went green for Charmagoyf, maybe you went black for Delve threats like Gurmag Angler back in the day. Maybe you went white for Stoneforge Mystic. And then same with, with removal. You could have Fatal Push. You could have Swords to Plowshares or Path to Exile in Modern. Um, you know, or, or green gave you better disenchant effects. Same with white. There are a lot of different tensions there that, that you can talk about. But now you have red and blue and that is it pairing being so strong in terms of its just density of efficient threats and efficient and versatile answers that you really either don't have to delve into other colors much more, or if you do, it's very rare for a very specific uh, thing, specific problem, and you just sort of barely touch into it. So you're able to maintain a level of consistency in your draws without sacrificing power and versatility that hasn't been there before. And that's the issue. So the problem is not any single one of these cards. It's the total sum of them. And that actually makes it even more problematic because you're just like, the, the, there's no easy answer. There's no clear broken card that you need to get rid of. So to me, like I don't even know exactly how to fix it. But it, I think, and, and I think it's going to be borne out over the next year, year and a half, that this core of Izzet cards in both Legacy and Modern, and they're slightly different. You know, you get better cantrips and days enforceable in, in Legacy that you don't get in Modern. But that core of just cheap blue disruption, uh, maybe it's not, it's not always blue in Modern, actually. Like, cheap disruption and these incredible red threats and unholy heat and lightning bolt just seems so obviously above anything else. And there might be like a deck that is better than it on a given week because there's a hole in the way those decks are being built that you can exploit. But that hole is always going to be something that is fixable because the decks become so adaptable because they start from such a flexible base. And so on a, you know, long-term basis, on a month-to-month basis instead of week-to-week, these are going to be the most successful decks. I will be flabbergasted if you like next, you know, a year from now, Go over a year's worth of modern data, a year's worth of legacy data, and these fair Raghavan DRC decks are not easily the best performing decks in the metagame. I would I would be stunned. And so, you know, maybe there's not a brief period where they're too good and they, they don't cause a ban, but it's pretty clear to me that 
if you just want to build one deck in modern and one deck in legacy and give yourself the best chance of winning, you should start that with four Raghavan, four Dragon's Rage Chandler, four Lightning Bolt, four Unholy Heat. Maybe you trim on Raghavans or Unholy Heats here and there, but buy those 16 cards and you're in good shape. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing for me, and you kind of hit on it a lot there, is it's it's efficiency for me. There's something in common with all those cards. Yeah. They all cost one, and they are all can be cast by the same lands, right? Yeah. And Normally, if you want that many good one-mana spells, you got to be a fucking four-color deck, and then you get in this and, awkward spot. Yeah, and so, like, here's the thing. There, there's ways to hurt this deck, too, right? You know, like, we when we see stuff like this happening, you talk about bands, right? And you see stuff getting, you know, all the decks are monkey decks. All the decks are, you know, DRC decks. All the decks have unholy heat in these colors. And you can do this without banning these cards. You could fix these. And I think there's, you know, we've, we've we've touched on this quite a bit. And it's like some of the other problems are Mistress Bobble and Luris making those these cards. The exact two that were coming into my head while yeah. you were talking there. Yeah, the, the, they, those are the cards that might actually be the problem. I would love to see a modern format without those two cards. Because yeah. Luris, like, it, you, you're you already, to... just by the nature of magic, incentivized to lower your curve and become more efficient. Yeah. So why in the world to... would you yeah. make another powerful card that pushes you further in that direction? 100%. And, like, the thing is, you might not even need to ban both of them. Because, like, they both make each other really good, obviously. And I'd like to see a world where... Because here's the thing. You know, having Mistress Bobble is cool for DRC and like all these other cards. You know, it helps stuff out a lot. It's starting to get played in Legacy quite a bit here. It, it helps with yeah. you know delving. I think, for I think that's time. one of the reasons people are cutting Delver, right? They want to have Bobbles in their deck, so they have fewer rooms for yeah. instance sorceries. So yep. Delver gets worse, and they're just like, yep. well, we don't really need it, and it's it's just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and so it, it, you know exactly right. And can you imagine if Cataxian Probe is legal? Just. Yeah. I mean, Ross, I, I was there when it was legal. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this all the time. You went <laughs> like, to a doctor every four hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, for me, like, yeah, I think it's probably going to be too good. The thing is, is like, there's not a lot of... People aren't seeing it as much, right? If you're not in the trenches playing leagues all the time, you know, playing tournaments on Magic Online all the time, like, you know, you might be seeing this at, like, your local FNM or something, right? You know, your local, like few hundred dollar you know 1k tournaments whatever I'm, that's not me hating on anything i'm saying and this you, is also not... not the thing that is just obviously too good right it's not yeah. the oko that just comes down and dominates right. the game ragavan can do that in certain I mean, matchups like, yeah don't forget how wrong i was about dragon Rage. i was like yeah the card seems good i just don't think it's as good as everybody thinks yeah. it is i was wrong I mean, to the other end i didn't it's realize better. how easy it was going to be to get delirium once you put yeah. four mishra's baubles in your deck yeah i mean i just i i will say this i knew i I like to learn from my mistakes. And the very first time I saw one in play and someone played two turns with it, I was like, holy shit, this card's busted. Yeah. Well, you know, I was like, once I saw enough games just be like, oh, people are just getting Delirium on turn two all the yeah. time. And I'm just like, I, I thought it was going to be turn three or four, and that makes a huge difference. Like, I think I messaged you or somebody about it, and I was like, dude, I think it's better than Ragavan. <laughs> like, you know, we were talking about like Ragavan this, Ragavan this, Ragavan that. I'm like, it's probably better than that card. Like, this might be the best one yeah. drop of all time. It, like, it, it's lower ceiling than Ragavan, but much higher floor. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's a much better top deck late game. And there's like any creatures in play most of the time, you know, because like it has evasion yeah. and, and stuff like that. You know, it can like still attack. Well, if there's no creatures, though, then topping Ragavan and dashing it. 
Also, the second the second uh, Dragon Rage Chandler is infinitely better than the second Ragabon. Yeah, yeah, it has yeah. much lower diminishing returns. Actually, has you yeah. know, re- like basically no diminishing returns. Yeah, and so you know, there's there's some cool stuff. I did see a really cool some really cool plays in um in Legacy once where like they actually used Dragon Chandler against itself. So the person had like a Chandler, like a couple Chandlers in play or whatever, and uh, they like had to attack into an endurance or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, multiple times, or like the person was like, "All right," they let them attack with their Dragon Rage Chandlers, and then uh, like in combat, like shrunk them to make them smaller, and like got to you know they lose yeah, they make some they blocks. Got to block. Yeah, yeah, they got yeah they got to make some blocks they wouldn't have got to make, you know, etc. So I was like, there, there's definitely some some drawbacks to the card. It's not just perfect, right? But we're we're reaching here to, to, to find you know to find something wrong with this card. The, there's a there's a level up here with with what this has done to the both formats to modern and legacy, and I do think it's comparable. I think I think what we're seeing is comparable to that early era of Death Shadow, because it, the, that era in modern with with first Jund and then Grixis Shadow, nobody had seen decks that were that efficient because Death Shadow was this incredible one mana threat. And then Gourmet Angler was also often a one-mana threat. And then you had all this one-mana discard. And then you also had really good one-mana removal, Fatal Push, plus Lightning Bolt. And so it was the first time anybody had had really seen anything like that. And it took a while for us to figure out, like, the very specific things to combat it. And in some cases, it took some printings. Like, it took Unclaimed Territory to make humans a deck. Was was really big for combating Death Shadow. It took you know figuring out creatures that matched up well against Fatal Push, and I think we're going to now see people try to play creatures that match up well against Unholy Heat, which is kind of a difficult thing because seven toughness is a lot, uh, and we're starting to actually see a little bit of a return of Death Shadow decks because Death Shadow and Scourge are two of the creatures that are cheap enough that can get out of range. We're also seeing a bit of a return of Tarmogoyf. Because there's Mishra's Baubles and different enchantments like Seal of Fire, Seal of Removal, and like Renin Six is a cheap planeswalker. I wrote an article about it this week. I think Renin Six is very underrated and modern. And there's enough other card types beyond those four typical ones and artifact from Bobble that it's not that unreasonable to see Tarmogoyf be a 6 7. And so Tarmogoyf becomes, just like it used to be, the card that beat Red Removal, it might actually be that again. I think we're going to start seeing that in the, in the next couple of weeks, but we're going to see some reaction to these things. But ultimately, like they're always going to be able to adapt. Like red decks found ways to succeed against Tarmogoyf. Like Splinter Twin beat Tarmogoyf decks a fair amount of the time back in the day, and the, the same thing is going to happen. So, and maybe they end up like splashing black and playing either Drown in the Lock. I'm seeing or Fatal Pushes out of the sideboard. Like they have options. What when your when your base is two colors. It becomes a lot easier to deal with what you need to deal with because you can add anything at that point. Because adding the third color is easy. When your base is three colors, you're locked in. And if you need something from the other two colors, you're kind of boned or you got to give up something else, create a new hole that you hope doesn't get exploited on a given weekend. And so that's the thing that worries me. I think, I don't, I think we're going to end up in a scenario where like there's never a, a two or three week period where these decks are so dominant that everyone calls for bans. But every week they're there, and it's just the rest of the metagame that rotates around it. So it's the, always the determining factor. It's always what everyone is looking to beat, 
and there's going to be something that beats it on a given weekend because they're not looking to beat those decks, whether it's a dredge deck or hammer or, uh, you know, a, a big mana deck of some kind. I, I don't really know. Whatever the case may be. And, but the, like, the, these decks are never going to be bad. There's never, never going to be a metagame that forces them out. Like, people are playing a ton of Chalice of the Voids right now in Modern. Because a all these lot. Decks, like, a lot, a lot. Yeah, I know. But, like, that, 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 that kind of stuff just never works. Like, in, you're never better off, except in the most extreme scenarios, playing the hate cards versus playing the busted cards. Just play the fucking busted cards. No, 100% agree with you. And, like, I mean, Chalice is... I'm not disagreeing with you at all. You know, Chalice is also good on zero in some matchups as well. Yeah, it's got the thing with uh, against Cascade decks, Rhinos and Living End. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, like you said about playing, you know, the hate cards versus the busted cards, I will say this, you know, messing around with Legacy because I'm actually going to be playing Legacy in a few weeks. There's a local uh, team tournament in two weeks from now. Hopefully I'm I'm fine enough, you know, and feel okay enough to to, to go to that and, and, you know, feel safe. And I'm going to be playing Legacy, and I'm trying to decide, you know, which version of Delver I'm going to play if I play a Delver deck. And we were talking about it in our group chat, uh, you know, my team and I, and, you know, like, you know, if we've cut cards or not. And I was like, they're like, well, what are you worried about playing against? And I'm like, uh, rest in peace. I'm like, if someone's just cast a rest in peace against, you know, it, it's it's like the old days when you had, you made me think about this with Termogoyf and Nimble Mongoose. Someone cast rest in peace, your cards don't do anything. Yeah, Orgoyf and, and Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, and so now, like, you 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 have death, you have a uh, dragon race channeler, and you have Murktide. You know, I will say this: uh, something did come up the other day that I just like. I should have known this is how this card works, but it never happened. Do you know what happens when you have a Murktide in play and you delve another Murktide? Your first Murktide gets real big. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it's yeah. exponential. <laughs> uh, you know, it says when it, any instant or sorcery leaves your graveyard. So yeah. that that's true if you delve any other spell. It's true if they exile your graveyard later. Yep. It's true if you cast a Snapcaster Mage. It's yep. like there's a lot of different things like yeah that mm-hmm. make Murktide bigger. A lot of people I have been got by that over the last I, few weeks. I definitely wanted to kill some. I just like would love to kill someone on camera. Like I attack with a Murktide. They're like I take six. Right. I'm like well hold on. I'm going to uh, relic myself or you know like just make us remove our graveyards. Yeah. You're actually taking fourteen. You know, or whatever, you know. Yeah, this is like the, the, the dream that I lived, and you were there. But this was a team event when I had um, uh, Crackling Drake in play, and my opponent had Tide Hollow Scholar me, and they didn't realize that it counted the spell that was exiled by Tide Hollow Scholar. And they were just like, yeah, no, it's actually one more than you think, and it was a very relevant point. I think it reduced my clock by a full turn. Um, or, like, you know, let me kill a creature that they didn't think I was going to be able to kill, so they, like, jump attacked yeah. or something like that. I remember them like looking at their life pad multiple times, realizing like taking twelve is very different than taking eleven or something like that, you know. And you're like, oh no, I'm going to die next turn instead of two turns from now or whatever. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was very relevant. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, Lo- loved loved crackling Drake. Yeah. So remember the days when you could play crackling Drake in modern? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> in the before four times, drop, the long long ago. Drop that's yeah. Four drop that's not primeval titan or omnath. What are you doing? You can't even play primeval titan anymore because everyone's unholy yeah. heating it. Yep. Like that deck is gone. I will say that that is that is a byproduct of the, of the format as well. I and like people keep talking about that, like, oh, what should we ban? You know, should we ban something? It's like I'm like, man, maybe Holy Heat should have done six. Maybe it should have done five. You know, because like it, it it's way too efficient. It's way too easy in modern, especially with Dragon Rage Chandler being in the same color and being good and playable. It's so easy. Just imagine this format without Mishra's Bobble though. Like Lurus gets I, a lot that's worse. The thing. Just, DRC just get gets worse. And the Holy Heat gets worse. Yeah. yeah. I want to see modern without Mishra's Bobble. 
Yeah, just just get rid of that card, and yeah. then maybe we can keep Luris around so the burn deck can maybe come back and be like playable. Yeah, and stuff, well, but... like we we can see what Luris does without Mishra's Ballo because that's a big reason why Luris is yeah. so good. Uh, I'm and I'm I'm with you. So I want to see Mishra's Ballo gone and see what these threats look like without the best enabler because mm-hmm. Mishra's Ballo is so good for Merktide Regent for DRC, uh, yeah. you know, for Luris. And, like, if, if you think of, like, one of the other decks that's been doing well in modern now, surprisingly, because it was it started as a meme deck, is, like, the Elemental deck has actually been doing well. You know, Canister won a classic with it. I, you know, a people have been playing this deck. Say again? A challenge. A challenge. Sorry. I didn't. Same thing. Yeah, yeah but, you just yeah, want challenge. Paper Magic back. I got you. I want it back so bad. I, I just, <laughs> what is it? I just, I, just, I just miss it every day or whatever. I just miss yeah, it every the day. The Wolverine meme. Yeah. <laughs> You're just, like, looking yeah. at a picture of the SCG tour. <laughs> yeah, and... I started thinking about, like, why the deck's good, right? And it's, like, if you think about the two most popular things going on right now, which is Hammer Time and, like, Dragon Race Chandler. Stop. You know, what? Hammer Time. Okay, yeah, nice. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> got him. I love that. I, Ladies I, yeah, you got me good. We got him. <laughs> I got God, yeah. And if you think about the, those two decks, like, this deck matches up well against it because, A, it clutters the board. And that's, like, one of the things the Hammer Time deck actually has a problem with is, like, finding a way around like multiple blockers while your opponent's intrinsically making value because you're going to outvalue them the longer the game is alive as an elemental deck. Like they cannot keep up with that deck. And then both of these decks are actually can be weak to fury and you're seeing fury actually like go up in value and doing stuff. And when it gets to kill Ragavan plus dragon rage Chandler or something like at the same time for technically free, you know, no mana spent and it's triggering your, you know, uh, risen reefs because it comes into play that's a lot of value. You know, you're yeah. getting back your card and stuff, so there's some cool stuff going on there. I, I agree with you. I think I think the combination of onboard value um and the ability to not fall behind early, because you have all these pitch spells to stop your opponent early if they go all in on threats. You have Fury and Solitude and Endurance if they're a graveyard deck. So you have these ways to prevent yourself from getting just crushed in the first two to three turns of the game. But then once you hit turns four, five, six, and beyond, now your deck goes into overdrive and you're able to still churn through your uh, through your deck and generate card advantage and overwhelm your opponent. And it's hard to be able to do both of those things. Like, I would think a deck like, uh, you know, like Kiki Core, like different Yorian decks that exist in modern, those decks are really good once you get to turn five but they have a hard time getting there because they're just yeah, so and, weak early. And Elementals yeah. fixes that problem because of all the pitch creatures. And that's, that's been the biggest problem, right? And, like, I think that's where we kind of, like, maybe, like, fundamentally misunderstood some of the pitch the pitch creatures, right? Is, like, you know, we were trying to put Grief in all these decks. We are trying to put Solitude in all these decks. And we weren't getting enough. Like, they were good. Their effect was good, right? But we're not doing yeah. enough around it to make it good. Yeah, we weren't following elemental. it up with the things yeah. that we needed to follow it up with. We were trying to follow it up with, like, Haymakers. What we should have just been following it up with is generate good value. Because these decks, like the, the DRC decks and Ragavan decks, they're good at generating value, even though they're really cheap on the curve. And same with Hammer. And that's the, the underrated aspect of that deck. It's like Infect. And in its early days, everyone just looks at it like, oh, it's Infect. I'll just kill all their shit, and I'll be fine. But it's an Infect deck that has twice as many threats, and half the cards in it generate card advantage, whereas none of the cards in Infect generated card advantage. You know, we have Esper Sentinel, Stoneforge Mystic, Pure Steel Paladin, Lurus, uh, Ingenious Smith in some of the lists now, 
And I'm sure I'm even uh, missing a couple on top of that because there's a, a fuck ton. I mean, eight eight lands or threats in that deck too. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Urza Saga is a big one, and, and Horizon Lands of the, um, and and Ingmar Nexus, uh, which is yeah, all their lands are just great. Like, yeah, yeah. It's one of the so best they never flood ever. like. Yeah. But, like that deck is surprisingly good in long games, way better than Infect ever was. So yes, like we have a format now where you need to be reacting earlier, you're going to get run over. But the decks that are doing that are not decks that are going to roll over if you succeed in interacting with them on those early turns. They also have a late game, and it's the combination of those two things that is so threatening. And the elemental deck, I think you, you had that good point, is a deck that actually can match them on both axes. It can match, it stay with them early and interact when it needs to. And the good thing is that if it doesn't need to interact early, if like their draw doesn't come together or you have other things, then yeah, you don't need to throw away the card advantage to play your pitch cards. You can hold them for later and then they become really good late in the game. So maybe, maybe that's a sleeper deck for the, for the coming weeks. But that's also one of the reasons I think Renin Six is a really underrated card. We're seeing it a lot in those like four color decks, uh, like Scape Shift that plays Chalice or the Velomachus Indomitable Creativity deck. But I think you should be playing it in just the Raghavan DRC decks, like play Jund and play Renin Six or play Teamer in your like Is It deck, like Splash Green, play Renin Six. You've got this card that can be an early piece of interaction, but also gives you a huge amount of card advantage going along, especially in combination with with Horizon Lands, which you can easily well. incorporate. And yeah, and then threatens to win the game if it's left unchecked. Like, how often do you get that for two mana? And that's that's what you need. Like, you can't play four mana spells. You can play Teferi in this format, Hero of Dominaria. Everybody just unholy heats it, and then you're down so much tempo. And you're, you're just fucked. So that was the issue people had. They were trying to build control decks with these planeswalkers that just weren't effective. Or they were trying to go over the top with Primeval Titan, which just died to Unholy Heat. So let's play a fucking two-mana card. Like, yeah, you Unholy Heated it. I'm down a mana, but I got a land. Or I killed your Raghavan. Or I killed your DRC because you weren't delirious early enough. And so that trade is fine. But if you don't have the answer, then I'm going to fucking run roughshod over you because I'm generating all this card advantage over the course of a long game and I'm forcing you to make awkward attacks and I'm killing your one toughness creatures and I'm doing all of these things. So it, it we're not in a, a necessarily like bad place. I just think that like we're going to get to a stale place because like months from now, yeah, the things we're doing around Raghavan and DRC and Unholy Heat might change a little bit, but they're all going to have that nugget of sameness to them because they're all built around that same core. And I just see us in that moving in that direction and I'm, I'm not okay with it. And I think like, you know, maybe we don't need to ban something right away, but like the, we should be looking into that. We should be thinking about what we need to ban because it's definitely not obvious. It's not, it's not an Oko situation. And I'm with you. I think Bobble is candidate number one. So, uh, Ross, there was a specific reason I wanted to have this discussion, and uh, you didn't get to know this, but uh, I'm going to kind of tie this in now so we can kind of tidy it up. We uh, we had a mailbag submission this week, and for about the last 10 to 15 minutes, we've been answering the question. How how efficient. I know. I'm so good at this. I'm just so even more this. efficient than Raghavan. Yeah. Is that possible? Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm going to read the question just so we can kind of make sure that we hit all the yeah. notes of it, and you'll everyone at home is, kind of Is it from it Lee McLeod? It's from uh, Chef Petro. Ah, another way, common happy, happy, common questioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy birthday, Chef, by the way. 
Um, anyway. It was their birthday? Happy birthday, Chef Pepper. Yeah, yeah. So their question was, um, last week I played in a paper modern uh, event, tuning my sideboard to have options versus hammer time, Rakdos, uh, and then cards for graveyard and artifact matchups. My loss came to Isochron Scepter, Silence with Teferi. Uh, since it feels like modern is supercharged approaching new legacy, will it get to the point where open fields get a little less open? Uh, we will have... Uh, and we have lists of 10 or so decks or will modern do what modern does and have a bunch of five or cents meta decks, you know, this wild, wild West is killing me. And I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing the format coalesce quite a bit. You know, we've talked about this, like uh, the, the Titan decks just like don't exist anymore. Like amulet is like, if you're trying to win a tournament, yeah, if you're trying to win a tournament, like you just can't play those decks right now. Like you just, you, you can't beat the, the aggressive draws from these decks. Right. And you're seeing, you know, if, if you go look at the, like, there was a big, uh, the Mana Traders tournament happened. If you go look at, like, the top eight decks, like, there's not a lot of them. You know, there's not a ton of variation in these things. You know, you're seeing some innovation with uh, the Elementals deck coming out. But, like, what we've been saying, you know, for the, is, is kind of like what's happening. And it's kind of like, we know, people talk about Legacy all the time, right? And they're like, oh, there's all these decks you can play. You know, there's, you know, all these, you know, tier two, tier three options. Like, well... You, you can play them, but do you yeah. want to win the tournament? Yeah, maybe once in a while you'll do well, but like, and I'm not trying to hate on. on you, man. Like, I'm not trying. Like, you know who you are at home. You're listening. Yeah, Jun guy, Jun guy. You're listening, and I'm sorry. I'm not trying to hate on you, but like, if you want to be Jun guy, if you want to be, you know, whatever person playing whatever, you know, tier two deck that you really love, like, you can do that. Nobody's going to stop you. But you know, ultimately, you know. We are competitive, semi-professional Magic players. Our goal is to try to win tournaments. So if your goal is to win tournaments, you shouldn't be doing shit like that. You shouldn't be messing around with things like that. Just play the best of decks. Um, and um, I I do think that these decks have leveled up. The Hammer deck is, is really good. It's it's as efficient as these Raghavan DRC decks. Like, all ones and twos, lots of inherent card advantage, gets to play Luris, and it really is a, it's, you know, I literally wrote an article calling it the most underrated deck in modern weeks before it broke out. So I, I was on this, like I, I um, but the, ultimately like it is a linear deck and we're starting to see some reaction to it. We're actually, so initially people were trying to just play a bunch of removal and kill the threats, but that's not the choke point of the deck. The choke point is hammers. So that what you do is you just you bring in artifact removal, efficient artifact removal. Like you don't want, you know, Colgan's Command is fine. If that's a card that's in your deck because you're a Rakdos midrange, like that's fine. But I'm starting to see things like Ancient Grudge again that are yeah, just you like, okay. you to register that card. Yeah, like I'm just going to kill your hammers and then you're suddenly playing an affinity deck without any payoffs. That's basically what it is at that point. And... Um, you know, I actually, I watched, even watched Jarvis EU on a stream that when he was first playing the deck, get, um, unmoored egoed out of like a niv deck or whatever. And like got the guy was on, or his opponent was on the play and, um, uh, you know, cast a turn three and Jarvis was going to put the hammer into play on turn three at a bit of a slow hand and instead just had none for the rest of the game. And it became really difficult to like generate a, a good force. So, like uh, the decks like that, that are linear in nature, even if they are resilient, are always going to have more well-defined angles of vulnerability that you can attack and you can exploit. These 
Raghavan DRC decks have reached that level of efficiency while maintaining an incredible level of versatility and adaptability, which I've said earlier, but I'll reiterate because it bears repeating. Like that is problematic. That is that's the point where things become very difficult to answer over the course of a large sample size over a long long term, and that's that's where we are, and that ultimately is creating a, a level of separation between the haves and the have-nots in the modern metagame that we haven't seen before. And so those tier two decks that you really love, you know, they've already started being pushed out. The start of the Modern Horizons one and Affinity dying because Mox Opal died or, you know, certain cards that are powerful enough to maybe get some things banned and those push out tier two decks. But also like, you know, your decks just don't improve as much as other decks do and you just get left behind over time. And that is happening to an even greater degree with Modern Horizons 2 and this triumvirate of incredibly efficient red cards in Raghavan, DRC, and Unholy Heat. Yeah, and I, I think that's where the problem is, like everything that we've just talked about. And you're going to see the format, if you're playing at a, like a super high competitive level, you're going to see the format just condense into that. And, and, that, and that's what's going to happen. And we've, we've had this happen in Modern before, and it's fine. You know, and like maybe we'll get a shakeup if it starts to get too bad. And I feel like we're kind of going in circles here, so I'm not just going to keep you know beating this dead horse of the the bobble thing, but or the Luris thing. But that that's where we're going, and I, that's where I feel like we're going. Uh, the fact that it hasn't happened, or you're not hearing about it as much, maybe it's because we're not having you know a tournament every week being showcased on you know Twitch. I think is you know keeping the 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 rabble rousers at at bay here and stuff, and so. Honestly, like, let's give it a little more time. You know, we'll have to see, you know, what's going on and stuff. But yeah, I, I'm not saying I'm. it's 100 percent should happen right now. We already have all the data we need. I'm just saying based on like, you know, I've been playing Magic for a long time. So have you. I'm just very confident that that's the direction we're heading. Like, I do not this time next year. I do not think Mishra's Bobble will be a legal card in modern. I completely agree. Completely agree. All right, you want to get a couple of overrated, underrated out of the out of the? Queue? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's see here. Let me uh, read up a few of them. I'm gonna probably skip one or two of them because, like, I don't think either one of you. There, someone, there's two movies here. I don't think we've seen either one of these. Uh, Lee McLeod has got one here. Hold on, did you don't know what movies I've seen and not okay. seen? Uh, sure. Have you seen? I think you should leave on Netflix. No, but I got told about it today, so I'm Is gonna it watch it. But I haven't Is seen it, it yet, so save that one. Okay. And uh, Lord of War. No. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. <laughs> I knew you were going to be right, too, but I, I couldn't obviously. not. Obviously, I, I'm going to be right. Yeah, I couldn't not go for it. I had to take the stab. All right, we do have one from Liam McLeod, one of our uh, favorite commenters. They said, uh, declaring that you'd like to demonstrate a loop. Um, can, can I answer first? Can I answer first? Sure. From him specifically, underrated, because I'm always excited to see what fucked up weirdo thing he's doing. Yeah. Um, from an average person, it, I'm going to go slightly overrated because A, I'm usually over the kind of deck that does this. Like, I'm not a big fan of this kind of thing. And B, there's something about it that rubs me the wrong way because it's like that smug, like, I'd like to demonstrate a loop. You know, I kind of think it, like, yeah. maybe I'm just taking it wrong, but like, that's just me personally. I, I'm I'm kind of with you too. I, I think literally demonstrating a loop is underrated, but actually declaring that you would like to de to yeah. demonstrate a loop is overrated, overrated because it's it's a little bit too um um mm, i don't know what word i want to use here it's too 
I see what you're saying. I'm trying to think of the right word. Sort of like pompous. Yeah, Um, pompous is very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That that's close to the word I want to use. So let's just stop there. Pomp. It's a little too pompous for my taste, but I do enjoy me some loops. It's it's almost on par with the people who like overdo like beer and wine when they're talking about it and tasting it. You know, I mean, you're just like you're just like kind of a douche. Like you know, like I don't know. Anyway, are you telling uh, me that I can't taste the notes no, of no, burnt no, no, oak? No, 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 no. The people that like they talk about it. You know, they're like, I got you know this. You know what I mean? Like they go too far. You get what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah. They get very pompous about it. It's just a, bit, a good way to put it. All right, Joe at Mister English says fountain pens. Um underrated they write Agreed. really really nicely i actually have one that a friend of mine bought me where did i do with it they're underrated for writing but especially the cheaper ones if you break them or something goes wrong they're really they're really overrated because they make quite the fucking mess and what also like if you had these at school when you were a kid like there was you were you were doing it, you know, like you had the best pen. Or is it like the, the cheap, like, you know, $5 for 50 box? Yeah, those are big pens. The Bic, yeah, I couldn't think of it, right. Uh, per reading mass says fountains. Um, Infer how you will. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but my instinct is that fountains waste a lot of water and are thus overrated. But I, if I'm wrong about that, I apologize to fountains. <laughs> Apologize to Fountain. I was thinking more along. Didn't uh, think that was going to get a, get said on this show, did you? Yeah, no, not at all. I was who more who had that in the poll? Yeah, no one. Uh, <laughs> let, let us know in the Discord. <laughs> yeah, the drinking, drinking fountains are underrated. Uh, Brent, our lovely oh, editor, drinking says, fountains are massively underrated. I was thinking like yeah. big fountains, like the people yeah, put yeah. coins in. Yeah, of course. But drinking fountains massively underrated. We should have access to water everywhere and public bathrooms and all of that that shit that we don't have access to because we live in a capitalist society that tries to charge you for everything. <laughs> all right, Brent, our lovely editor says foundations. Um, probably underrated. Like that, it seems like a thing that no one ever thinks about, but is incredibly important. And that yeah, signals to me underrated. Important. Yeah, yeah, like you can't have houses without foundations, and I like living in a house. All right, the Shrimp One says contract from below. Probably a little overrated. I, I often hear it called like the best card in Magic. Um, I have actually played a format where it's legal in the last ten years. It was like legal in some random format, so I had a, co- a copy of Contract from Below. I'm here to tell you the card is fucking nuts. Yeah, it's probably the best card in Magic. Properly rated. It's, 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 yeah, properly. It's like the best card ever printed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm up. not going to tell people at home what it does because I want them to like go Google this and find yeah, it and see it for themselves and be pleasantly surprised. I was, I was wrong. It's really messed up. Yeah. Um, Joe, Mr. English, says being a goat. But he says it's capital, so I'm, I'm thinking that, that means the greatest of all time. Yeah. Goat. Um, That's what I'm, I'm gathering here. Probably under, well, no, probably overrated, because then you just have to hear yourself get it's talked lonely. about all the time. It's It's got to be lonely. Yeah, well, not, not, not yeah, uh, I, yeah, a little, uh, definitely a little lonely, but also just, like, sort of relentless and annoying. It, it, it reminds me of the Hall of Fame discussions that used to happen all the time when the Hall of Fame was a thing in Magic. Remember that? In the before time, in the long, long ago? Yeah. Uh, when wizards cared about ago. us, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least pretended to. I, th- I was about to say, you think they ever cared about you, buddy? I got a yeah. long talk for you. Yeah, when anyway, when, when they pretended to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, like you know, I always felt a lot of sympathy for the people who were the major topics of discussion 
during those, the people who were very much borderline, and everyone's just like, you know what, I think they're in, or I think they're not, and it's just like, please shut the fuck up, I just want to go on Twitter <laughs> and not have it ruin my day. Um, well, good luck with that, too, I guess, so... Uh, yeah, being being a goat is probably overrated. Like it, it sounds way better in theory. That said, if you're the undisputed goat, that's probably great. Yeah, you have to be the undisputed goat though, and that's really hard to do. You have to basically be Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, and even Are then, you? there's people that have, say like Mario Lemieux. Uh, the next one is from Cathal, and he says goat cheese. I'm gonna go massively underrated. I love goat cheese i think goat cheese is overrated it's good but i think most people recognize that it's really good and people like pizza you can overdo it like it, it it has a very strong flavor to it i i eat it in moderation quite a bit like i, I probably have it maybe a couple I, times i a had year, some on a salad today pro- yeah that's that's probably why i have it so highly rated it's like one of those things where like you know it's really it's like tiramisu you know it's really good but you can't have it all the time yeah uh so uh, but you know, there are certain things that are really good you can have all the time, and that elevates them. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm actually going to say a little overrated, though I don't think we've, like, I don't think the difference in our rating of goat cheese is, is different by a lot. No. This, is, this is a different, this is a, a response that is motivated by a difference in philosophy. Uh, Cathal says expressive iteration and control decks. I'm going to go slightly overrated. Just kill your opponent. I mean, ex- expressive iteration is just kind of fucked up. It might, it might be. Though, though people are playing it in a lot of control decks, like the recent Gabe is uh, Just Guy control deck in in modern. Well, yeah, that one's like kind of weird. It's like it had what one counter spell in the Yeah, it's, it's a tap out. Con- it's a tap out control. Yeah, deck. yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, it, it's control b- because of the way the format is now. Like that would be yeah. a mid range deck in like traditional sense. It's a yeah. it's a control deck that is built for the format. I thought that was a no, genius no, no. Piece I'm, of I'm not. Building. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying it's just it's it's a weird one. But yeah. I, I get what you're saying. It's a board control deck, not a stack control deck. Mm-hmm. And you have to control the board when everyone's threats cost one mana. It makes sense. I think this is a good one to uh, to end on here. Uh, let's go ahead and thank our lovely sponsor, Barrister and Man. That's Man with Two Ends. You can find them at barristerandman.com. Make sure you check them out for all your soap, beard, shaving, hair, all kinds of stuff that you make your life just a little bit better. Um I will say I, I love all of their products. I think they're going to get me wearing cologne again, and I haven't done that in a long time because I'll tell you this. And obviously, this is for some viewers at home and some not. You know, I got to say, I think we have more of a male demographic that listens to us. A higher, I'm sure we do. A higher density of males. One of the number one ways to get a girl to like you is to smell good. It's 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 a it's a big first step. And that's true across across gender and sexuality lines. I appreciate it when my potential partners smell good, yeah. and I hope they appreciate that I smell good because I've been Ross. wearing Barrister and Man cologne for a while. I don't wear it, yeah. you know, every day or whatever. But if I've got something that I want to be impressive at, yeah, I, Ross, I, 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 I always smell good for you. I always try to smell good for you. Yeah, yeah. So, but make sure you check them out. There's so much more to their stuff than just that. And make sure you use the code MTG Rants at checkout for 15 percent off. Ross, if people wanted to hear more of your rants. Or maybe they want to know what cologne you're wearing that day. Where would they go? Well, I'll tell you right now, I only have one cologne for Barrister and Man, and it's called Waves. And it smells great. But if you want to hear rants that are about basically anything, because I rant about a lot of shit, you can go to my Twitter account. I'm at Ross Hunnitz. That's R-O-S-S-H-U-N-N-E-D-S. 
Good place to hear rants, good place to keep abreast of all of my magic comings and goings, content-wise, tournament-wise, all of that happy horse shit. Also a good place to ask me questions, as I do try to get back to people as often as possible. Uh, then there's my written content on Star City Games. As I said this week, my article was about uh, Ren and Six and why I think it is incredibly underrated and underplayed in modern. Uh, so that article is live now. My articles go live on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. And uh, appreciate any support there. Then there's my non-written content, by which I mean Versus Live, the web show I co-host twice a week with Corey Baumeister. We're on the Star City Games Twitch channel from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Tuesdays and Thursdays, playing whatever magic is irrelevant to the competitive scene, irrelevant to you that you want to see. We have a good time with it. We play fun decks. We play good decks. We tell you how to improve them, how to play matchups. We take questions live from the audience. It's a great time. Uh, so I encourage you to watch it live if you can, but if you can't, you can find the VODs on the Star City Games YouTube channel. Those go up the day after the live show by about 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And then finally, there is my Twitch stream. I've not streamed in quite a while since last year, but I do plan on bringing it back. And I said it now that I'm, uh, once I make the move, I'm going to, you know, get everything fixed up with my computer, get the stream set up and back going. That should be happening relatively soon in terms of the first step of that process, which is diagnosing what the hell is wrong with my desktop right now. Uh, so I will be getting into that and I'll let you know when that's coming back. But if you want to throw me a follow on Twitch in the meantime, so that you get notifications when I do come back, I would appreciate it. I am Ross underscore Miriam. So just my name with the underscore on Twitch. Tannen, if people want to hear still good but somewhat inferior rants, where might they go? Yeah, if you want to hear me yell about bunting a lot, come to my Twitter. Okay. Well, bunting fucking sucks. Yeah, obviously, so, it's the worst. Every, so many people recognize how stupid it is, and yet it's still overrated. Yeah. I do love that, um, like, the what is, what is it called? A Venn diagram where everything, di you know intersects you know like this the, the Venn diagrams of the like, circles that intersect yeah the circles like the, the yeah. Venn diagram of my twitter followers it's like magic players and like a few people who like know that i'm a huge baseball guy but like all the magic players are like really smart when it comes to analytics and numbers so like when they hear someone like me and like a few other people who are like you know good magic players talk about how bad bunting is and then they look you at and it and like they can, <laughs> yeah they can figure it out they're like Oh wait, yeah. Like they go look at it for like three seconds. They're like, "This is yeah. fucking horrible." Like, why would you do this? It, it, <laughs> it turns out that the limiting factor in baseball is the number of outs you get to make. You only get twenty-seven in a game, so you shouldn't make them on purpose. Yeah, you didn't just give them one. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, if you want to hear some more about that, you can find it on my Twitter at the Tannen Grace. On Twitch, I'm just Tannen Grace. Um, I streamed a little bit like last week. Uh, I don't know how much I'm gonna be streaming. Uh, in the future, we'll see. I don't love this limited format. It's okay. I just, I'm starting to have like a moral problem with playing Arena. It's just so predatory and bad. And like, I don't have Magical Online on my computer right now. So like, maybe I'll, I'll re-download Magical Online and start doing that. So, ah, so you can I, wait in 30 minute queues to get a match. Yeah, but I, I like my money to actually mean something. And I'm yeah. going to be spending money on something. So we'll see. Um, I'm not saying it's it's worse. Nothing's I'm just saying here, it yeah. still sucks. <laughs> but um, hopefully y'all had as much fun listening to this episode as we had making it. Because I think this is one of the most fun episodes I've been a part of in a while. Even though I do think last week's was super fun as well. Yeah, but um, for very different reasons. 
Yeah, for very different. I mean, you and I didn't have to do anything last week. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Mark hard carried. <laughs> Just climb on his back. He's so yeah. strong and muscly. It was great. Yep, exactly. So uh, we'll hope to see you all next week. <laughs>